Welcome to the Theatre of Others podcast. My name is Adam Marple, and I'm the co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others. With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing a shutdown and re-evaluation of space and gathering, we at the Theatre of Others are thinking about what stories we need and how best we can share them. We believe space is psychology, and it informs the way in which an audience interacts and reacts to what is presented to them. We create uniquely theatrical events in bespoke sensory performance spaces crafted to encourage curiosity and grant the audience permission to commune with the play. Now that that space has moved online, how can we encourage interaction and action amongst an audience virtually? The Theatre Brothers produces plays that both welcome and challenge the audience. We are committed to international collaboration and are a laboratory that helps artists grow through intensive study of their craft. On the podcast today, joining from Melbourne, Australia, are Booty Miller, co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others, and myself in Puebla, Mexico. The Theatre of Others creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purpose of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary, and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task, and it requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Hi, Adam. Hi, Booty. <laughs> How you going? Good. How are you? <laughs> Our listeners love that sound. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I, that's the sound of the future, y'all. <laughs> wow, that's depressing. That's the sound of the future. Yes, that's definitely the sound of the future. That's the sound of my future. Well, that's the sound of my current state of existence at the moment. And it's just because I've, I just had my, my second vaccination of the Pfizer. And I was fine the first one. I was like, okay, you know, maybe feel a little, those little tingly facial stuff and mm-hmm. just maybe tired. I don't know if it was because I was tired or because the vaccine was making me feel tired. But then the second shot just, oh my God. God, y'all, it was like, it's like, I feel like I have, like, okay, look, if this is what the vaccine does, I am so scared about what COVID does, y'all. Y'all need to get vaccinated because I'm a hot mess. And I heard that, like, it it lasts for about two days and then, like, everything's fine. Yeah. That's what they say. It's always the the second dose that does it, and you're messed up at the beginning, and then you're okay afterwards. Yeah. But you only had one dose. I only had one dose. It's a a very different thing because the the Johnson & Johnson is not the mRNA. It's some other... What's the mRNA? mRNA is where they basically took the... Yeah, here I I am going to sound like a doctor, like I know what the hell I'm talking about. (laughs) The MRNA, Ladies and gentlemen, he is not a doctor, and not. we do not advise you to accept any of his suggestions as a doctor. Other, other than get a vaccine. Get the vaccine. That's other the other thing. Get the vaccine. Get the vaccine. Because so, all the okay. other doctors are saying get the vaccine. <laughs> so the mRNA is where they took the RNA from COVID, and they based the vaccine off of that. They, they reverse engineered it. So basically, they have put... They have put the, uh, M- the mRNA into your system, and your system is creating the antibodies to fight off that M- mRNA. Now, they didn't put coronavirus into your system. They didn't put COVID into your system. Like, normally what they do is they take the flu shot, the flu, and they make a new vaccine from that flu every single year. And then every single year, we have to get a new flu shot. Mm. With coronavirus, they basically found what the mRNA for the, this for all coronaviruses is. And they created that wholly new, which is why they did it so quickly. And they shot that into your system. The AstraZeneca, the, the Pfizer, the Moderna, the Oxford, those are all mRNA shots. And so basically what your system is doing is it's producing the antibodies to kill off all kind of coronaviruses at this point, which is why your system is in overdrive. Which is why they say that the, the Pfizer is uh, combating against these new variants. So exactly. Pfizer yeah. and AstraZeneca, y'all. Yeah. So a whole nother reason to get vaccinated. It, 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 it's, it's worth the pain. I, I'm, I'm achy. I'm sore. I, I feel better because, you know, I, I got up and walked Obama and had something to eat. But I'm still feeling a little bit cloudy and 
but it's definitely worth it. It's definitely yeah. worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I got the Johnson and Johnson because that was the only choice that I had, the only option that I had in the time that I was home. Oh yeah. When I get to yeah. Cairo, I'm probably gonna get the other one. I'm probably gonna get. So the... wait. So what's what's in the Johnson and Johnson if the mRNA is not in Johnson and Johnson? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I know. See, and this is the thing, like, you know, like I've got friends that are always like, not always, I've got some friends that are like I, uh, American friends. And they're like, have you taken the back? Have you gotten the vaccine? No. I was like, why? And they're like, well, I'm not in the, I'm not in the at risk age group and uh, I'm healthy. And, and I'm just like, ugh. and then they're like, and then they're like, well, you know, it's, it's not, it's not uh, been tested enough. And you know, I want to, I was like, well, since when are you a doctor? Right. You know what I mean? And it's right. like, and like, like polio, do you do this, do you say the same stuff about polio? It's like, yeah. oh, you know, you know. Well, polio has been tested, so I, I trust it. But like, do you even know what's in there yeah. to even have an educated guess to say <laughs> so, whether so, it's good or not? Yeah, what's the what's the timeline for when you're going to feel comfortable getting this vaccine? 2022, <laughs> Like, what what's going to make you feel good? Yeah, it's just yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, but the good thing is my 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 Obama. He just snuggles with me. He sees that I'm I'm down, so he comes and cuddles with me, and yeah, he, he puts his it. paw on me. Yeah, <laughs> he he like holds me down. He's like, "Don't worry, Dad, I'm here. <laughs> we got this. I'm here. I got you. We got this." <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. And meanwhile, my my husband's off, like running off with the family and having having brunch and having life. We're not really having brunch because we're not allowed to have brunch. But like we're in this, we're we're out of lockdown, but like. We have to be outside, and we can meet outside. We're not allowed to meet at anyone's houses, you know. So it's crazy. Get vaccinated, y'all. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Let's get. Can we just be done with this, please? Meanwhile, and, meanwhile, um, it, here in the states, it's just it's just a free for all. It's. I was just about to say, <laughs> why the hell are you still in the states? I'm like, I thought you were going to be in Mexico by now. No, no, no. I leave on Monday. Uh, People, people are listening to this on a Monday. We come out on a Monday, but this, we, we record this on Saturday nights. So, um, yeah, I leave on Monday, head back to Mexico, start the packing process, and I'll have a month left. Yeah. I can hear the, the tiredness in your voice. Has, um, it been, has it been a trip? It's, uh, I'm, just, I'm just ready. I'm, I'm beyond ready. Like, there's, the, the only thing that's keeping me from going to Cairo right now is that my plane ticket doesn't leave for another month. So like, I'm just ready. I'm just like, what am I waiting? What, what, what are we waiting for? Like, what are we doing? Why are we waiting so long? So I'm just, I'm just well, ready to start. I think this is an opportunity to just enjoy, just enjoy the purgatory. No, you get to see your mommy with your mommy and your daddy. You get to yeah. see them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to be with your wife soon. You get to be yeah. with her in Mexico. Yeah. You know, when's the next time you're going to be in Mexico? Probably. Can you take summer. a trip? Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to, we'll come back, uh, I think we're going to come back every summer to United States and Mexico. We'll have to split our time that way. Um, That's a good trip. Yeah, it's a good trip, and we'll do that. So we'll be back, we'll be back next year, this time around, around this time next year, and that's fine, that's good. I I just want to go now. I'm tired of the purgatory. I've been in, remember, I've been in purgatory since December, of basically just like waiting around for the next thing. So. Okay, so in this purgatory, since you've been in purgatory for so long, what have you learned? What did you learn from this whole experience that you can share with our youngins oh. out there who are like, my life, it's, it's, I can't control what's going on and everything is happening around me. What, how, did you, how did you get through your purgatory? Create your own things. I mean, this is not going to sound like any kind of new thing from anybody who's ever <laughs> met me before. I got through it by doing my own things. I created those workshops. We did a play. Uh, we started playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, I didn't stop my schedule. My, I kept my schedule up. I wake up at 7 a.m. I go and I meditate on the mm. roof. I make my breakfast that I've been making the same way. Uh, I then go to the office and I stay in the office until about 5 p.m. And then I leave the office. And that's my day. And that way I... That's I'm, really good. That's, that's, that's the only way to do it. a very good suggestion, Adam. That's a very good suggestion, especially a lot of, you know, people are in different quarantine scenarios all around the world. And, you know, the, the, having an office time and saying, yeah. these, these are my office. I mean, even if, you know, you may be out of work at that day job that you had, you know, during pre-COVID, yeah. you know, but 
you know, you still are an artist and you've got, you've got work time. I, yes, I love okay. that. I think that's, and I think that also manifested where you're going now. I mean, look at where you're going now. That's, yeah. I mean, you couldn't even imagine that. I never would have imagined that. No, it wasn't, it wasn't on my horizon. It wasn't on my list of like, you know where I would love to go and move and teach and spend maybe the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, that's, and uh, I just, I just find it magic, you know, and I, it's, it's coming from someone who's never been to the Middle East. So <laughs> I'm sure the magic will, well, I'm sure fade away quite quickly when I get there, but like, you know, it's just, it's another world. It is another world for sure. Yes. <laughs> How, how's fan, how's fan taking it? Uh, you know, I'm sure she's excited. She, to me, she's saying excitement. Um, and one of I love the Spanish word for um, excited is emocionada. So mm. it, it sounds emotional. So you can't quite tell. Is like is that a good emotional? And then mm. worried is preoccupada. So mm. those are the two words that we're using a lot: is emocionada and preoccupada. Worried and excited at the same time. Um, but you know she's she's saying goodbye to her friends and her work and her family and all those things. She's also excited for the new adventure and the new culture. So yeah, mm. worried and excited at the same time. Anxious. Um, now, are you still not having children? <laughs> we are, no, we're, we're not having children. I'm getting a vasectomy. <laughs> we're not having children. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> I just wanted to have some, you know, some Middle Eastern babies. <laughs> Okay, first off, my children would not be Middle Eastern. They, they would be half Mexican, half American. Born in the Middle East, though. Born in the Middle East. They're, 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 their souls are dropping down in the Middle East. They could be the pyramid children. Oh, you know, okay. another okay. pharaoh coming through. Yes, no. most definitely. There'll be no children. I'll yeah, be get, because... I'm going to get dogs instead. Oh, yeah, but you have... You have but you, don't you want a king? You want a king? Mm. A pharaoh and a king? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No? <laughs> go ahead and go for that transition. <laughs> well, it could be a slave. Uh huh. What else could it be? Which one of the other ten or eleven are could it be? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, Adam? What are we talking about today? I. It seems like we're talking about archetypes. <laughs> <laughs> Like that, that was low hanging fruit. Yeah, Come on, yeah. that was that, that was, was that was just it was that just, was just waiting for it. It wasn't even low hanging. It was on the ground, rolling toward you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're talking about arch- archetypes. Yeah, and stereotypes and the difference between the two. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, we're gonna, I think we're spent a long time kind of clearing archetype, stereotype, trope, cliche. I think those are all. They all seem interchangeable, but they're very, very different things. Mm. And they mean different things to a writer than they do to an actor. So yeah, I think it's good that we talk about that. Yeah. Well, I think maybe we should take a break and then come back and talk about that because, I mean, archetype, stereotype, trope, cliche. So it's it sounds like it sounds it sounds like a drag song, like a house song. <laughs> archetype, stereotype, trope, cliche. She's archetype, stereotype, clope, cliche, clope, clope? dyslexia, trope, <laughs> cliche. <laughs> Yeah, you know, look out. That's gonna be that's gonna be my next number. Hello. Hello. That makes me. Th- it also makes me think of of of, of um, Grace Jones' writer, which is going to be that was a colleague of mine. We were, we had decided that we were gonna we were gonna um, start a band and we were gonna call it Grace Jones' writer because <laughs> apparently Grace Jones's writer is um, champagne, prawns, cocaine, prawns, champagne, cocaine. Bronze, champagne, cocaine. I'll take one of those things. You can have the other two. Grace Jones Ryder. Grace Jones Ryder. That's a great. Isn't that? Isn't that a wonderful? Isn't that a wonderful <laughs> band name? Awful. What's Stereotype, like? archetype, trope, cliche. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to hear that number. Ch- Chan's, Chan's going to have to do the music for you, and then you're going to have to. Of sing course. Yeah. I'm sure he's already recording this, and he's he's already putting the backdrop into yeah, it exactly. already. He's anyway. already sampled your. <laughs> He's already sampled it from you. <laughs> like he always does. Like he always does. So let's have Purple Planet take it away. We'll come back and talk about archetype, stereotype, trope, cliche, or cliche trope. 
Oh, trope. Cliché. Oh, trope. Cliché. Yeah. Take it away. Purple planet. Keyword. planet. We're back, we're back, we're back, we're back. Purple Planet. <laughs> Thank you, Purple Planet. Yeah. <laughs> Look, that was my jingle. Yeah. That was my fantastic. jingle. That was my jingle. That was my jingle. I'll, I'll call them up and see <laughs> if they want to they buy it from you. Yeah, well, they, I'm sure they will. You know, I'm a, my voice is highly coveted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we need to, we're talking about archetype. Stereotype, stereotype, trope, trope cliche. cliche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what is an archetype? Okay, so an archetype is something that is not culturally bound, but understood by all. So the difference between stereotype and archetype is that every single culture understands this thing. The caregiver, a mother. Uh, the magician, as you had mentioned before, the king, the slave, mm. um, the rebel. Those are all things that exist culturally, throughout time, throughout genre, throughout any of those things. So um, mm. they, could, they could come off as stereotypical, but because they are not culturally bound, um, we all understand them. If I'm in Japan, if I'm mm. in Canada, we understand those, mm. those, those things. They resonate in your soul. Yeah. Yeah. As a human being. And then a stereotype? A stereotype is not culturally, or it, it is culturally bound. It is not universally understood. And that's when it starts to flatten out. That's when it starts to uh, have bias. It starts to have mm-hmm. um, possible harm. It, it, it has... Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be fucking racist, It sexist, can be, exactly. Homophobic. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's an easy classification. Stereotype is not an actual, it's not a literary device. So a stereotype mm. is more uh, real life. And then when we take that stereotype into a literary setting, or in our case, a theatrical setting, it becomes trope or cliche. Well, what's a trope? <laughs> trope? What does, what does Google say? Yeah, well, that's exactly why I was pulling it back up. Uh, trope, culturally specific norms in storytelling. So tropes are cultural classifications of archetypes. Um, like for you, the belly dancer. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> when you go to Egypt. You've got to have a belly dancer. If, if, I'm, setting, a, right? if I'm setting my movie in Egypt, I've got to have a belly dancer. Mm-hmm. Because how would you, you know got to have a marketplace. How would you know that we're in Egypt if there's not a belly dancer, if there's not a marketplace and a camel? Camel. Yeah, yep. exactly. exactly. And a snake charmer. That's racist because that's not <laughs> that is not in the Middle East. And that's racist. that's racist. So then archetype, stereotype, trope, cliche, racist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's a what's a cliche then? And now a cliche is when uh it becomes overused, it becomes um uh tropes can become cliches. Clichés, mm-hmm. uh, archetypes cannot become clichés. Tropes can become clichés. Uh, uh, yeah, of course. It's because it's at that point, a, a cliché means that there's a, a loss of meaning. Um, mm-hmm. And I love, I love... Uh, like, the, like, the, like the bitchy cheerleader. Yeah, that's, yeah, everybody, everybody knows that. That's the bitch, the dumb blonde. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Those are all kind of just like, there's, there's no story behind that. We just all accept it and move yep. on. And... I remember uh, in my viewpoints class, I talk about cliche and stereotype. This, the, the way, where we get the word cliche from is, um, well, stereotype is literally a printing press. When you take the, you know, you used to put the little letters into the press and you put the, the ink on it and then you would, you pull it down. That's a stereotype. Yes, yes. And after time, uh, after time, obviously it starts to lose its ink. It starts to lose its meaning. It yes, starts to do that. Yes, and so st- that's yes. where we get the word stereotype and where we get the cliche okay. is 
the sound that a stereotype makes is cliche. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, it makes sense. It's like making a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. It starts to become distorted. It loses definition. Mm. And it's mm. the same thing. Uh, bitchy cheerleader. Of, co- of course. Yeah. Sure. Cheerleaders are bitchy. That exists in society. But when you define something by that one thing and that one thing only, it, it doesn't actually have any definition anymore. It's just... So then we have... So we have, like, the TV show Heroes, you know, Save the Cheerleader, Save the save World. Save the World, yeah. Right? Yeah. So it plays... It's so... Because we're, we're, we're essentially talking about these things because we want to look at the writer. Yeah. Right? And we can also... You can also tell when there's good... When it's a good writer or when it's a bad writer. Yeah. If there's... How they're using the, these devices of archetype, stereotype, trope, cliche, <laughs> racist, <laughs> racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because for if we just think about that TV show where uh, you, let's save the cheerleaders to save the world, it's playing up against our tropes, yeah, and our stereotypes, yeah, and then it goes into the archetype of what is a hero, yeah. And that's that's and then it becomes good writing when you can break stereotype, when you can break a trope. If you start, yeah, yeah it's, it's not to say that don't start with save the cheerleader, save the world. Of course, that makes sense. We all understand the blonde cheerleader from Texas. Okay, that's a trope. Yeah. We get that. And yeah. then what do you do? You make it so that she is unbreakable. And she, yes, you know, exactly. And then all of a sudden, it... You can't she, kill her. You can't kill her. It doesn't mean the same thing. She's, she's a very different thing. She's not a fragile little flower, all-American schoolgirl kind of thing. It becomes something very different. Yeah. Just like, I mean, every, it's a really good example, Heroes. I mean, if anybody remembers that show from 2005. Um, <laughs> Back in my day, there was a TV show called The Hero. Every, but, but that's the thing. <laughs> every single person on that show was a trope. You, yeah. had, you had the yeah. police officer who could read minds. Yeah. You yeah. had the clockmaker yeah. who could go into people's brains and take their, you know, the nerdy, yeah. socially awkward um, geek who was yeah. a watchmaker who could go into people's brains and steal their powers. Yeah, every single... Yeah, the all of those tropes then get yeah. broken. And a lot of comic books are like yeah. that. A lot of, he- a lot of superhero yeah. movies are like that. But I love that it's like, it, but it's like the trope is there as a device to ask the question what makes a hero mm. you know I, I feel like it's like everyone had to find out how to use their powers either to help or to destruct yeah you know and i think that's one of the reasons why it was so you know do do, do you know why that show stopped doing so well no why because i i did i enjoyed it for the longest time and then it just get, it gave up and it disappeared it's not because it gave up and it's not because it disappeared. It was right at the pinnacle of its like heyday when we were like, "Oh my god, this show is fucking amazing!" Yeah, ride or strike, oh, ride or strike. That makes sense. Yeah, you're right. And killed it, yeah. killed it. They could never, they, it could never, it never got back on its feet. Could never find its groove ever yeah. again. Yeah, but that's the whole reason why we have unions, y'all. You know what I mean? It's like take care of your writers because you don't have any writers. You don't have content, yo. And I'll say it's a good thing that the writer strike happened because, like, we are in not even a golden age of television. We're in a platinum age of television. The writing yeah. is yeah. phenomenal on TV yeah. now. Yeah. When you have yeah. when you yes. have thirteen hours or multiple years to to let character develop, you don't have yeah. trope. You don't have cliche anymore. Or yeah, if you have exactly, cliche to exactly. start, you can you have the time to break it and develop it and deepen it, and it's great. Yeah. Okay. So. Then, okay, so now that we know the difference between archetype, stereotype, trope, cliche, racist, racist, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think we should like talk about, and and we're looking, and we're actually looking at writing, yeah, um, specifically, you know, because we can go into so many different directions with with these uh, four, these four uh, modifiers Mm. through this, this, through this nomenclature, but I think. I think it would be really good for us to kind of look at how the, how can an archetype become a cliche? How can a cliche all of a sudden become an archetype? When mm. when 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 is stereotype useful in writing, and when is it not? And how do we identify it? Mm. How does it feel in our bodies when we're when we're experiencing writing that is um, moving through these different um, compartments? Mm. Because 
I mean, because this is what we do all the time. Because we, we read scripts all the time. Like our that's that's the other thing, y'all. If you're going to be a theater artist, you better yeah. fucking like reading plays. Uh, yeah, you better like reading plays because you're going to read a lot of it. You're going to read a lot of fucking plays. You're going to. Yeah. And if you want to be an actor, you better fucking like reading scripts. Whether it's a play, whether it's a film script, you better fucking like it, or you're in the wrong business, baby. You're mm. in the wrong business. Mm. You know. And you can't use dyslexia as an excuse because you know mama's a big-ass dyslexic, you know. And unfortunately, because of plays and, and the um, formatting of plays and, and scripts, it's like I can, I can see it in my head. So I can actually move through the design of reading those things much better than reading like a novel. Mm. Just a little side note. You got to like reading. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... So let's start with, I, I, think, I think it's easier to start off with archetype, yeah? Mm-hmm. How, when, does, when does, okay, when, when does a Shakespeare play become a stereotype that a trope then, like, what, what devices in Shakespeare, the archetypal devices in Shakespeare, when do when did we see them in, like, say, more contemporary writing or even in someone's interpretation of the writing? When would you go, oh, that's so cliche. Oh, that's so stereotypical. That's not coming. That's not. Go- and then let's look at the, the um, after, after we kind of define that, what does it do to the impact of the writing if you approach it in the wrong way? <laughs> yeah. So, so start, with the, start with the play. Let's, let's, let's pick a play that everyone knows. Okay. Like Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet or... Um, Midsummer Night's Dream. Ugh, let's, ugh. Uh, Hamlet. <laughs> Everybody knows I don't like Midsummer. Uh, Hamlet. Let's, let's let's stick with Hamlet. We know we know Hamlet okay. very well. We did it. So yes, we do. Um, so what archetype is Hamlet? There's a couple ways you could go here, I, and, and I think there's this is actually true for Hamlet. There's a couple of different versions of Hamlet that you can play, and they're equally valid. There's the scholar. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the, I don't think, I don't think you can play the lover. Um, there's the rebel. Um, I'm just going over the, so this is, list. so this is, in, so this is interesting because if we go into, so let's go into the actual Elizabethan chain of being as well. Yeah. The, like the actual world in which it's written, the culture in which it's being written. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Because I think the scholar and the rebel are actually stereotypes within the culture and not the archetype of the character. Okay, I can see that. And the reason why I say that is, and this is, this is for you actors out there, if you, if you want to figure out what archetype your character is, you have to see where your character ends up at the end of the play. How does your character end up at the end of the play, at the end of the script? Well, he ends and up, how does Hamlet end up? He dead. <laughs> he ends up dead. In what way? How doing what? Um, avenging, avenging his father, uh, and cleaning house. And so what, what archetype would do that? Are we talking Jungian archetypes here? Are we talking like, what are we? Well, I think, I think, uh, archetypes because they speak to the soul, you know, I would say, I would say, I would say Hamlet is a hero. Yeah. Okay. Sure. In in the, in the, in the simplest, not making this a simple term, but in the simplest way of looking at like, he is the protagonist of the play. It is his story. Yes, he's a hero. He's avenging his father's death. And he's, he's not afraid to give up his life for justice. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He gives his life. Ultimately, he gives up his life for justice. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Um, uh, so, with that being said, um, what would Laertes be then? Hero. He's also a hero in his. I mean, in his story, in in terms of in terms of Hamlet's point of view, 
Um, and from Hammond's point of view, he's. I think he's. he's I think he's more of a a warrior because he plots. He doesn't give up his life. He doesn't. He ends up having to give up his life, but that's not how it. That's not the way he ended up losing his life. Not for the greater good. It was through blood. It was through blood. It was, it was through family blood. Do you, I would say he's a warrior. Do you think he's a warrior at the beginning of the play, though? See, this is this. And so this is the thing. Is that's why I say it has to be how where they end, end up. up at the end, be, right? You know, because you have the archetype that's moving inside of you that may not be fully realized because of the stereotypes that you may be living through, or the tropes that you may think you have to live through, or the stereotypes in which people look at you. Which is the and those three, three things are character, mm-hmm. yeah. stereotype, trope. Um, uh, what was it? Stereotype, trope, and cliche. Cliche. Thank you. <laughs> Racist. <laughs> cliche. <laughs> cliche. And it's like those are things that we start to look at for character that are character driven, that are mind driven, that are that are built up in our our psyche in our in our you know our character's public mask. If yeah. you want to if you want to go down that down that path, but what's leading you, what's what's guiding your soul is that archetype i mean like so then what is what would polonius be the fool (laughs) yeah either a fool or a loser right yeah yeah what would claudius be villain he's the but what kind of villain but what 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 would be the villain is that's that's a trope no okay okay Let's be clear on these these words here. Where are we getting these words? Because hero wasn't a trope. Hero was an archetype. Now villain is a trope. Where are we getting these definitions of these things? Okay, so I would say, okay. So villain, can you be more specific what a villain is? Because a villain, because a, a hero, because a, a hero would, can, give me, give me, give me, give me, what's the difference between a villain and a, uh, 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 witch, the classical definition of a witch, or like I mean, well, I just I'm just trying to think of archetypes because witch is clear is is definitely an archetype, yeah. Because a witch can be can be villainized or not. Hero is hero, clean. So when you're saying villain. What do you, what do you, what do you, how does he end up? Dead. How? <laughs> Killed by the I hero. would actually, I would, act, I would actually say he's the loser. And I would get, I would get, I would get Polonius, uh, the fool, and then give, and give Claudius the loser. All this time he thought he won. Okay. But what I'm, what I mean is, like, where what are my options to choose from in these words? Okay, because right. I mean, because otherwise I'm never gonna I'm never gonna find that right that right word. Like you know, it's, it's like okay. that's why I'm asking: Are we using the Jungian archetypes? Because those are defined definitions that I can go. Okay, I can see where where, where you're pulling from here. Okay, so because uh, now you, let's, you've let's, introduced let's, hero, witch, loser, fool. I don't know where these are coming from. So I'm okay. trying to figure so out. So I'm gonna give, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a list. I'm gonna okay. give you a list. Good. Thank okay. you. Hero, mm-hmm. princess. King, okay. yeah. Queen, loser, winner, um, coward, uh, warrior, um, peacekeeper, seducer, um, fool, and clown. Okay. Okay. That's understandable. Now. So I understand those. Yeah, yeah. So those, those, and do you see how those words kind of resonate? You can even get images out of them. Yeah, that's that's what archetype is really good at. We all instantly, not bound by our culture, go ah, yeah, okay, I understand that. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think Claudius is a is a loser. Yes, because all this time he's running after being the winner, right? 
the whole play he's running after Hamlet because Hamlet is going to reveal that he's the loser. Yeah. Because his dad is the winner in Hamlet's eyes. He's the hero in Hamlet's eyes. As an, but this is what, as an actor, does that, from beyond a literary point of view, hmm. do you play that? Do you take that into account? No, no. Because then if you, start, if you play it, then it becomes a stereotype. Right. Your, your archetype is what guides you. It's like a little thought. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little uh, secret. It's like the spine. Hmm. It's like, remember when we did our Hamlet and we, and we did the Gertrude Hamlet scene and we got so many different versions yeah, yeah, from the audience yeah. and it always ended up in the same way. It was always, because of the archetype was always leading us to that point. Yeah. I, I, um, I know you don't watch this, but uh, Disney Plus, Loki. I do watch Disney Plus. Oh, okay, well. I, I am watching Loki. Okay. I think this was, this was a really clear, um, uh, this, this, this first episode of Loki is called A Glorious Purpose. And we've heard him say over the, you know, the Avengers movies for years, I'm burdened with glorious purpose. I'm burdened with glorious purpose. And at the TVA, the Time Variance Authority, Owen Wilson's character keeps showing him lose and lose and lose. And he says, every single time that you lose, you bring together these heroes to rise to the occasion. And then all of a sudden, mm. you can kind of see him understand his glorious purpose is to make other people better. Mm. And he's been thinking the entire time his glorious purpose was his glorious purpose, to make himself right. better. So that becomes that archetype of a loser. And you can see over the years, all of his character's spine has been leading him to constantly shoot himself in the foot and, and do wrong every single time. He can never win, but he always has to get up and try again. Yeah, well, it's you know Loki comes from the trickster archetype. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's the it's 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 a clown. Yeah, right. It's, it's it's you know it's like I'm the winner, and you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm the king of the world, and <laughs> and then the train comes by, yeah. and crushes you. Yeah, you know, it's like Elmer Fudd, <laughs> <laughs> Wiley Coyote. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm watching Loki. I'm on it. All right. Good. Good. I'm on good, it. Good. I'm on it. I'm on it. You you saw Falcon so, Winter Soldier. You saw WandaVision. I did see WandaVision. Okay. I didn't see <laughs> You didn't see Falcon I'm, and Winter Soldier? I'm Falcon Winter Soldier, I'm trying to watch it. No, you have you have to watch it. If for nothing else, the social commentary is really good. Okay, because I'm I've been trying to watch it and it just I'm just like <sighs> it's a little it's a little slow to begin with. I, I'm not exactly okay happy with the villains in it, but the social commentary yeah, see, and like the one that the one that wants to be Captain America. Yeah, the, like, oh, guy no, that you're supposed to America, you're supposed to hate him. Like, it's okay. You're supposed to hate him. All right, I'll I'll, I'll finish it. I'll finish it. You have to. You I have will. to. I will. I will. I know. I do. <laughs> 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 um. Okay. So. Let's take a break okay. and come back and continue playing this game because this is a fun game. <laughs> for, for you. Meanwhile, I don't know the terms and definitions we're looking for. <laughs> well, well, okay, so. God, right, did you hear so, the podcast? Adam sounded like an idiot this weekend. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Am I gaslighting you? Oh my God, I'm totally gaslighting you. There is, what, what gas? There is no gas. Just, no. There's no gas? What are you talking no, about? there's no gas. Does he have a gaslighter? No, no, it's no gas. <laughs> so let's 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 just gather ourselves and come back and be a little bit more clear about what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> Take it away, purple planet. Planet. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. So we're talking about archetype, stereotype, trope, cliche, racist, racist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. So I think what, what I was, what I was, what I was trying to get 
get at was that when things are get overused, they can tend to become a stereotype or a cliche. Yeah. You know, like um like for example, the the hero with the sword or the king with a crown and a throne. Mm. Now, these by themselves are archetypal. Yes. How they're being used can be can be quite stereotypical. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, if we're going to still stay, we're going to stay with Hamlet, let's stay with that. Sure. So when when does so if so if Hamlet is so if Hamlet's a hero, um, how can Hamlet being a hero in the play become stereotypical? Uh you cast a certain look. You can typecast the actor to look with a square jaw and very tall and muscular. White. White. I was, yeah, was going to get to that as well. White. White. Uh, blonde hair and blue <laughs> eyes, even though he's supposed to be Dutch or Danish. Um, Danes, are blonde, Danes are the biggest blue-eyed, exactly, blonde-haired. Exactly, Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to be truthful to the story, then you are going to cast a white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, center, center stage for all his soliloquies. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's many ways to push the hero narrative again and again. Don't, dr- even though he says he's dressed in black, have him dressed, you know, in a, in a white, uh, blousey, you know, kind of billowy shirt, armor, um, you know. All those and things. We've seen things. a lot of Hamlets in that way, haven't we? Oh God, yeah, we have. Yeah, what's Ophelia? <sighs> she ends up dead too. Um, <laughs> everybody ends up dead in this play. Um, I mean, princess. Yeah, that's what I would say too. Yeah. Princess? I would say princess as well. I would say princess as well. And princess is a really great archetype because it's it's one of those archetypes where like it's in the world of the of the royals, you know, the kings and the queens. Mm-hmm. Um but they don't have they don't there's no they power. don't take it, that, there's no power, yeah. right? It, and it, but it's it and so you can question authority. You can move throughout. You can uh, uh um uh unnerve uh, uproot authority, you know, mm. by just being present, you know. But you can also be used as a pawn. You can be moved ra- around and traded and sold as well. Mm. Mm. Yes, exactly. So I have a question. Yeah. So if princess is an archetype, and this is a real question, is prince? I was just an thinking archetype? the same thing, and and is hero the stand-in for prince because? The majority of things are written from a young royal's point of view instead of the older royal, the king. The king's not out there on the battlefield. The king doesn't lead the, bat- the charge of the battle. Henry V is one of the rare exceptions where the prince is the king, and that's kind of thrust yeah. upon him. Um, yeah, so I think, I think it goes king, queen, hero, princess in yeah. terms of the, that kind of thing, yeah. I was thinking the exact and so same then thing. prince would be a would would prince be a trope? Uh, that's an interesting. That's a really interesting. That's a good question. Why would prince be a trope and not princess or king or queen in that regard? For some reason, like a fop just popped into my head. You know, like <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. Like if princess is softer in that world then a prince would be softer in that world but or I, would, I would seducer is prince a seducer a lover of some kind mm, yeah but yeah see like i don't I, that's i think that's very interesting and i think and i also think that the the very innate um assumption of princess being a feminine uh archetype mm-hmm. i think is strong it's a very strong archetype yeah and for and when I work with my archetype masks and I, I, I put a princess on a on a hyper masculine body, yeah, they find the softness that's really powerful. 
And, and they find a freedom. And the same thing with hero. Hero being a usually a masculine associated uh, trade. Mm. Yeah, I have a I have a father. I have a father father archetype mask that that works really well on women. Women, mm. just, it's like it's it's one of my most beautiful masks. And when I when I put it on female bodies, um, uh, female identifying um, bodies, it's it's so like they they get find this stability and this uprightness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know, and that's you know that goes down that goes down the realm of masks. Yeah, you know that that's another podcast, and we will definitely have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even archetype masks. We can spend an entire episode <laughs> of archetype masks. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, I would say I would say in this context that Prince would be a kind of a trope mm. or a stereotype. Yeah. Yeah, because it always falls into some other category. Like think of Haman. Yeah. And Antigone. Mm-hmm. He's a prince. Yeah. What's what's his what's his um archetype? He ends up dead. <laughs> <laughs> um Is he a prince? I mean, but what does he do? What does he actually accomplish? He doesn't accomplish. He pleads with his father to find a reason. Yeah. And then he ends up dead for his love. He gives, he gives up his life, doesn't he? He, go, he goes willingly into the cave. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's, a re- that's interesting. I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't remember that's him. A good one, right? That's, I don't remember him being a large part of. I mean, I know he is Antigone's lover, but when I think of Antigone, he has he has one scene. In exactly. The rest of rumors. I don't think of him at all. He's not. It's not an. For me, he's not an important character. Though obviously, he is an important character. Um. He's a loser. I don't know. I mean, he's not a loser, but <laughs> but he does. He loses. Yeah. yeah, he 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 does. He does lose. He loses his life. He, he loses, loses his, his life. Love. He loses his love. father. He loses his kingdom. Yeah. yeah, he loses everything. He's a loser. And see, this is where we start to fall into archetype and moving away from stereotype because when we're in stereotype. People don't want to play loser. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if we're if we're looking at the actual archetype, and he's a loser, he could still be a king. He could still be a president. Yeah. But right. He's, but he he's still always be going a, to lose. Right. So like George Bush Jr. was a loser, archetypal loser. He always looked like he had a poop in his pants. <laughs> he always walked around like he had a poop in his pants. He looked confused right? a lot of times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, he was, he actually lost. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but he still won. They he still, still get, won. He, he, he still won, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, he was president, you know, the most powerful seat in, you know, in America. Yeah. You know, and so, but archetypally, he's a loser. I mean, if you look at, look at how he responded to 9-11, that video of him at, if, trying to read you know, the books of my the pet, children in the... My Pet the, Goat, the name of that book. My yeah. Pet Goat. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. He was waiting for somebody to tell him what to do. He didn't know what to do. Yes, that's true. Yeah. But also, you know, you know, come on. Would you know what to do? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's... I, would, I wouldn't have sat there. I would have gotten up. I, 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 yeah, exactly. Know, I wouldn't exactly. have known what to do, but I wouldn't have sat there and just waited for somebody to tell me what to do, like looking around at the children, like, shit, you guys. Hey, hey, kids, kids, you're about to inherit a war for the next 20 years. You're going to be joining wow. the army. Wow. And it's, inter- it's interesting that he, that he, he has been rehabilitated in the media i mean obviously this last president that we had in the united states re, re you know rehabilitated the way that he looked <laughs> but the thing is is yeah. he was rehabilitated in a way like oh, oh you know 
poor poor George. You know, it's it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. we we think of him as our like our dumb cousin now. We don't yeah. <laughs> we don't think of him as like what we thought of him in the two thousands. We think of him as like oh yeah. you know because Michelle Obama gave him a gave him a candy at the funeral that time. She put her arm around him. <laughs> yeah. He's painting paintings that are kind of crappy looking. We kind of we like oh yeah. like that's how yeah. we think of George Bush, George W. Bush now is oh yeah. and that's a very loser yeah. kind of thing for us to say. Yeah. It's oh uh-huh. how cute. Yep. <laughs> okay, so let's let's uh, look at. Um, well, we've already talked about we've already talked about uh, um, Kate and um, Blasted. She's a hero. Yeah, definitely a hero. Um, uh, what about um, what is what about who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Ooh, Martha and George. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, nobody dies. <laughs> so <laughs> well, there's a sign. There's so clearly no one's a hero. <laughs> no there's no there's no hero. There's definitely no hero. Um yeah. boy. Oof. Um Go through the list again. Which? Mm-hmm. 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 King, queen, princess, uh, loser, winner, hero, fool, clown, coward, slave. I feel like it's a slave and a witch. I was going to say witch, yes. And I was maybe going to say uh, coward. But no, yeah. but he, gets, I, he does I, gain his... I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like George. I, I, I feel like George and Martha are Martha. Uh, I mean, yeah, is the witch, mm-hmm. and George is the slave. And I think archetypally, those worlds work quite well. I mean, just just archetypally, a, a witch and a slave they tend to be together beautifully and in kind of a Game of Thrones kind of way. You know what I mean? They need each other. They need each other. They need each other. They're the outcasts. Mm. Yeah. See, a coward, I think, I think a coward wouldn't fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think a slave is trapped in their given circumstance and can't find a way out. Hmm. I don't know. I think, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if he's trapped in so much that is, I think that they are they're equals in the uh, disdain and love for each other in that respect. So they could almost even switch back and forth between who's the witch and who's the slave in this relationship. I think that's an interesting play as well. I think you can you can play with that as well. You know, does the, does the witch conjure themselves into being the slave? Mm. Yeah, and you know what I mean. Like it's like so. Then they're both witches, essentially. Yeah, but, the, mm. but that's cheese on cheese. You don't get. You're not going to get. Yeah, no, it's true. I know. <laughs> but I mean, you don't. Nobody you don't, wants cheese on cheese. But you don't feel bad. <laughs> Do you feel bad for George in that play? No. Yeah, I don't know if I. I don't no. know. As as a slave, you no. you know the person who's not in power, you would normally yeah. have sympathy, if not empathy, for that person. I don't but maybe have, he is a coward. For not leaving? I don't think he wants well, to leave. I think they need each other. They, will, they wouldn't survive without each other. So then he's a fool. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Anytime I watch that play, I go, you idiot, get out. <laughs> and you, you stupid, stupid lady, get out. Leave each other. But they wouldn't be able to survive. But, so then the fool is a very interesting archetype, right? A fool, like, from this, you know, Shakespearean world is the one who actually knows everything. Yeah, the smartest person the in the room. Shakespearean, right? Yeah. The smartest person in the room. The person and the who- clown is the one who, you know, it gets knocked around and 
you know, has no control, has the, has the absolute lowest status and gets kicked like a dog. Yeah. The person, the difference between the person who can speak truth to power versus the person who has no power at all. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So in that case, he wouldn't be a fool. No. He'd be a stereotypical fool. He'd be a stereotypical fool. I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know. Um, maybe it is two witches. Maybe it is cheese on cheese. <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think we should. Um, oh, this could this could actually lead us into provocations. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is. I, th- yeah. I, I like. I like being being left in these big these big question marks. You know, it's like yeah, it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to think about, right? So, um, with that in mind, let's let's take a break and then come back with some provocations and see where that leads us. How's that sound? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Take it away, Purple Planet. Um, okay, so provocations. And I just wanted to go back into this. I mean, because this, this, this um, who is George conundrum, you know? <laughs> mm. And I think um, let's, let's send it out to our listeners. That's one of the provocations that I want to send out to our listeners. Who do you think, what archetype do you think George is in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Send us your mm. feedback and let us know what you think. You know, we could be completely off. We know we're... We're just we're just talking off the cuff right now, and we're, we got stumped. Yeah. So why don't you why don't you, June, Christina, <laughs> Thomas? Yeah, you have to read the play first off. You have to read the play because mm. how many people have read this play? Mm-mm-mm. So we know Karina's not going to she's not going to respond to this question. <laughs> no, of course not. No. Uh, we love you, Karina. Um, okay. So I think uh, who or what archetype do you think? George is, and who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, and also who, who, what do you think Martha is? You know, maybe we're maybe yeah. we're completely off, and completely uh, off on both of these. Yeah. You know, talk through your narrative and let and let us and let us let us think about it and and, and talk on it. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's my provocation. Okay, good. Uh, I have a I have a question, and I have a provocation as well. Okay. Uh, my first question is, um, so some of you know, well, some of you, anybody who's listening to the podcast knows, um, I'm going to be doing uh, Mr. Burns mm. in Cairo mm-hmm. as the play that when I, when I land. And when you get a play where um, it's a large cast of characters that are just, you know, John, Amy, things <laughs> like that, how do you... How do you, as an actor, as a, as a director, as a playwright, how do you think of those characters when there isn't necessarily a backstory given? You're given maybe just tiny little tidbits from the dialogue to build a character from. How do you avoid stereotype? Mm-hmm. How do you recognize archetype? How do well, John you... and Amy already sound white. <laughs> There's no re- there's no reason why you've not met an African American John and an Asian American Amy in this in this world. That sounds racist. Uh, but what is the trope? The trope is yes, John and Amy are two white people. Yeah, wearing you know khakis and playing uh, volleyball, plaid shirt or golf, playing volleyball. Yeah, right. spike or it, golf. babe. All right, yeah, spike it. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what white people do. We play that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He played volleyball and golf. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So that's, that, that's isn't that how you can cool. tell if someone's white? It's how they play volleyball yes. and how they play golf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Oh well, June and I are going over to play uh, volleyball with our friends uh, Amy and John. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're white. All oh, right. Oh uh, yeah, that's wh- what you do. White people. <laughs> you know, white people. They own they own boats and go to the lake. White you know. people. <laughs> White people. 
They're they're excited for the sale at J.C. Penney's. White people. White people. <laughs> <laughs> White people. They stand in line for custard. White, White people. people. <laughs> <laughs> tropes. Those yes. are tropes. Yes, oh, yes are most tropes. definitely. Most definitely. And then anyway, so that's 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 my that's my question. Uh, my provocation is actually, uh, I started watching this show on Netflix that I actually really recommend because What's uh, I was worried that it was, it's called Startup. Oh, and is that good? I was really afraid. It's really good. I was okay. really afraid that it was going to be full of stereotypes and tropes because <laughs> um, one of the characters, African-American actor, is playing, uh, I'm not giving anything away to say this because very early in the beginning you get this, a gangs a Haitian gangster. Okay. And that could very, very easily become stereotype tropey, cliche stereotype. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm sure when he took the role, he was like, I don't want to play a Haitian gangster. That's not good for me. That's not good for the that's not good for Haiti. That's not good for anybody. But it's actually he he's ended up becoming my favorite character in the entire show. It's basically three people in the show. Oh, okay. They're all basically stereotypical on paper stereotypically written at the beginning mm-hmm. and then of course it's a tv show so there's a lot of time to flesh it out but it's it's actually really quite interesting to see where you think the character is at the beginning and where he ends up growing into or deepening into or you start you start understanding and learning about that so i recommend it. it's a good show i think it's really okay, interesting. Watch it. really good actor katie told me to um, watch it as well so that's that's two recommendations yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like the that character of Ronnie, and uh, Martin Freeman, who is um, best known as the Hobbit, uh, Bilbo okay. Baggins, in yeah, the yes, Hobbit, yes, and yes. Um, and Watson in Sherlock. Mm-hmm. He gives a really great performance that redefines his career. Like Ooh. it's a really it's a really scary, creepy performance, Ooh. and it's really it's re- it's really interesting to see an actor go. I need to do something that is the opposite of what I've done before, oh, and somebody give him that chance. Love it, yeah. love it, yeah. love it, so, love it, love it. So those are my that's my question. That's my provocation to you all. Yeah. So can you re re uh affirm what they are because i'm like after that long talk i'm like what were what were adam's provocations and and my question is when you're given a very large cast yes of characters uh that have very little information uh given by the author or other characters there how do you avoid stereotype cliche or trope how huh. do you build from that when there's no information to be had and my provocation is to watch startup oh watch it just watch it no do anything with it just watch it okay just watch it okay just enjoy it okay okay well that's fabulous that's fabulous well my head is really cloudy (laughs) (laughs) clearly uh yeah so i i I think i need to go lay down (laughs) but before we do that how will we know that these people are doing what we asked them to do adam my pal well, hopefully they will read Virginia Woolf, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and they, they will let do. us know by going to speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. Again, speakpipe.com backslash theater of others, all one word, theater with an R-E. You can leave a 90-second voice message there. If you don't want to leave us a voice message, you can leave us an uh, email at podcast at theater of others. Mm. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, the and our website. Subscribe, and, subscribe, uh, subscribe, subscribe. That's right. And when you subscribe and when you listen to us and you like us, it'd be really great if, like Booty's Uber driver, you could give us give us five star, five star, five star, five star, five star, five star, please, five star, five star. That's right. That's right. Because I ain't too proud to beg. In the middle of the morning, in the middle of the night, I ain't too proud to beg. What? You need to go lay down. I do. I do. So what? So the next time I see you, are you going to be in Mexico? Yes, I'll be in Mexico next week. And then, yeah, the next, the next three podcasts, I'll be in Mexico. And then we'll need to look at the schedule and redefine when we're going to be uh, recording again, because I'll be six hours behind you. Yes, not we will redefine. 17. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to see you, Adam. You too. I'm, glad, I'm glad you got your shot. Thank you. And I hope you feel better. Yeah, me too. Kiss your wife for me, please. Well, well, I was, I will see her in three days, and I will. Yes, and I will see you soon. Yes, see you soon. <laughs>
Thanks, everyone. Uh, we'll be back next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Theater Brothers podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theaterbrothers.org, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out, too. A special thank you to Purple Planet for the music you've heard. The Theater of Others creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purposes of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary, and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task and requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Be sure to tune in next week for our next journey. <laughs>